morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We've got Mario, the node defender, is joining us. Jackie, the crypto juggernaut and the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G, is in the building. So very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how FedNow is set to go live in the coming months, potentially opening the floodgates for certain blockchains. We removed the speculation showing our listeners that XRP is yet to be utilized. The District of Columbia is suing MicroStrategy founder Michael Saylor for tax evasion, while Iran is creating additional use cases for crypto after now accepting Bitcoin payments for imports. Mt. Gox Bitcoin is set to be released starting in September as we share a video of macroeconomist Raul Paul stating that crypto winter is behind us. The digital dollar project is getting ready to launch, stating that Ripple is one of the leaders in interoperable CBDC solution. With 2023 set to be the year of institutional adoption, we highlight which projects will have the largest impact. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So no, BitBoy is not joining us this morning, but instead we got the Node Defender here. So Mario, thanks for making time for us today. How are you feeling on this Thursday, my friend? Feeling awesome, man. Thank you. Well, I was here yesterday too, even though I didn't get to speak a lot, but you know, I was, if you guys look at the stream from yesterday, you will see me in the little corner. You just won't hear me much, but I was there, but I'm feeling great, man. Yeah. Trying to get back into, uh, into being on the show a little more frequently now that I've got a little bit more time. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about the market. Uh, I know a lot of people are kind of fearful because of how the market conditions have been, but I'm excited, man. I think this is a time to be excited. We're going to break down a lot of the fundamentals of the bear market going on today, and specifically the fact that a lot of people are stating we're not going below 17.5, but I want to hear from Selman first. Selman, do you think we're going below 17.5, and how are you feeling this morning, my friend? Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to say happy September. September is my favorite month, and September is historically also a kind of bullish month for stocks. So um, I really want to hope that we can hold certain support zones and see some some bullishness soon because you know August was super dead in crypto Twitter everywhere, right? Low volume. And now like since we're now in September, I believe we're gonna see more volatility, more people uh, engaging. And who knows, maybe we're going to see a local bottom soon and, 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 you know, a nice bull run. Salman, it looks like you got Johnny Crypto's camera today. Are you underneath a fishbowl, my friend? I'm only kidding. But I'm going to kick it to Jackie this morning. Jackie, thanks for making time for us today. You showed up on time. I'm very proud of you. How are you feeling? Feeling good, guys. Feeling good. On a new schedule. So we'll see how that works out. It's it's short-lived so far, but I'm I'm looking to make it more permanent. But I feel great. I feel great. You know, awesome. already got already got the gym in. So let's go. We're kicking butt. It's like we always say, Jackie, G-Y-S-T, get your shit together. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. 1,726 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you guys. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index. We are in extreme fear this morning, sitting at a 20. And that's because the prices are dipping as we are still below $1 trillion in total market cap. Sitting at $962 billion in total market cap this morning, Bitcoin is 39% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin fell back below $20,000 last night. We are sitting at $19,700 this morning. 
Ethereum is $1,500. XRP, $0.32. Cardano is $0.44. Avalanche is $18. Stellar, $0.10. VeChain, $0.02. Hedera, $0.06. And Quant is $94 this morning. No Defender, I'm coming right back to you. Shout out to Johnny Crypto talking in the live chat. Love you, Johnny Crypto. But Mario, what are some of the projects that you're watching this morning? And is there anything that you think our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of opportunities in the market. I mean, uh, for me personally, I'm keeping an eye on Quant just because I don't own any Quant and I do want to start accumulating some Quant. So I know that we've discussed it a lot, and uh, you know we've gone back and forth from some of our private group chats that this uh, any anything below $100 just seems to be a good accumulation level for for Quant. So I may start very soon. Um, I know that the market is kind of looking like it's it's going to double bottom probably at at that 17.5k that we saw a couple months ago. So I'm really waiting for that. Uh, my strategy personally is going to be every time that I see a significant red day, that's when I'm going to deploy some of the money, not all of the money. Uh, and this is a real uh, a strategy that uh, um, Andrew Cashflow he he developed like this course for for the academy. Sorry, his name <laughs> his name was uh was slipping off my mind here, but yeah. So he's got this really good strategy where your dollar cost average dollar cost averaging on the way down and you never want to deploy all your funds and i mean he didn't develop that strategy but if you if you're in the academy and you have a moment, you have a chance to check out the way that he does it it is phenomenal and so you calculate the percentages off the tops and and that's really smart so that's what i'm going to be doing just buying every time i see a significant red day not really trying to worry about what what the prices are where we're going to go is it 17 and a half are we going to go 10 are we going to go 12 Look, nobody knows. It's the same thing as when we're on the bull run. Nobody knows what the top is going to be. Everybody's going to try to time the top. Everybody's going to try to time the bottom. I think that's like the conversation of 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 the of the quarter is like, where's the bottom? Where's the bottom? And it's just nobody knows. It's going to be so hard to time it. So for for the person that's not a regular uh, like trader, for somebody that's just an investor, they don't really really want to spend too much time on the charts and and you know going crazy over where the bottom is. Just DCA. Whenever you see a red day that everybody's panicking, boom, put some money in the market. That's what I'm going to do. Awesome. And Selman, we're showing a chart right now called a Fibonacci channel, which has been completely valid since the inception of Bitcoin. We are reaching the lower end of this channel, which typically indicate a market bottom. What are some of the things that you're watching? When we had BitBoy on the show yesterday, he said he was anticipating anywhere between ten dollars to $14,000 dip. Before we reach the bottom of this market, what are you going to be watching, Selman? Yeah, and he also mentioned that 19200 is an important support zone especially on the weekly guys uh we we definitely need to close above if we close below 19,200, it's going to be very bad for bitcoin now of course what mario said with a double bottom yes maybe we, we're going to drop to 17k and all of a sudden that's a double bottom or the bitboy is also um right and we really tank to maybe 14k or 12k I'm saying 12K because based on on-chain metrics, that's the average price where majority of people have purchased two years ago. So um, 12K is such an important magnet zone. It could really go down to that. But 14K is a previous local peak. And this is why probably psychologically people were going to uh, will like all the people that are uh, sitting on, on the sideline, they're probably going to buy immediately when they see uh, 13,800 but 12k is still on the table but if i see bitcoin around 14k then probably bitcoin dominance which is already super like has a bullish divergence it looks like anytime soon it's going to skyrocket i don't know if bitcoin is going to see a crazy uh performance but i believe you know it's going to be bearish one but if that happens all coins will bleed and when bitcoin drops to 14k guys 
I'm not going to do like, oh, I should wait for another trend line. No, I'll personally, I'm going to make the first lump sum investment. Thank you, Salman. And Jackie, I want to kick it to you next. I want you to focus on this Fibonacci chart here because clearly there's a lot of indicators. We're reaching a market bottom. We saw a video from, I believe it was the blockchain backer yesterday, showing that the 50 moving average and the 100 day moving average are crossing, which has always historically been an indicator for the market bottom. What are some of the things that you're watching and how do you feel about the market going into November? Are you anticipating any bullish momentum whatsoever? Yeah, I was um, watching an interview with Blockchain Backer the other day, and he posed a lot of good cases for why we could be reaching the bottom. Um, I personally, I'm kind of like Mario. I'm not one to, I mean, I love looking at the charts. I love sitting there trying to guess with just myself to see where it's at. Um, I don't really like to say it out um, in the open because I don't like to be held to my word. <laughs> but I I can see um, both directions at but as far as like everything that we have going on um, from a from an outside, as far as news um, and political uh, things that coming in November, I do believe that maybe we will see one one more um, drop down if it's not just a double bottom. Um, but we have broken down below the previous all time high. I think that was a good case that Ben had made yesterday, breaking down below that previous all time high, um, and. You know, we had a significant bounce back up, but historically in the past, we haven't seen that before to break down below those numbers. So so I do think with the volume that we've been seeing in the markets, you know, volume never lies. I mean, you can ask some of that. You can ask Billy that. Those are really, really avid traders um, within the group. And and seeing that volume so low, it just it it's really convincing that we will go lower. Yes, Jackie, and I'm going to kick it to Selman next, but we are showing a live tweet from the blockchain backer stating that when the, looking at the market cap of Bitcoin, which also helped predict the top, we can see that the distance that Bitcoin has fallen and the cross level is equivalent to those periods as well. So when we reached our market bottom in 2014, Bitcoin was down 53%. In 2018, it was down 47%. Now in 2022, we are down 53% from that 100-day moving average, showing that we are clearly at some sort of a market bottom. If we do end up going to those lower levels that Selman and BitBoy were talking about, those 10 to 14K range, it's going to take some sort of a massive, maybe even a black swan event, a stable coin collapse, a global world war. So Selman, if the market is just going to continue to operate as usual and we don't get a black swan event, do you anticipate reaching those lower levels for Bitcoin? Now, this is a great example. Now, Bitcoin historically really um, has seen uh, similarities on the charts, and which is great. But um, on the other hand, I'm asking myself, we've never seen, and we addressed that multiple times, we've never seen recession before for Bitcoin. And they were always printing money. And right now, it's like everybody's waiting for the CPI rate. They're going to raise interest rates again. And treasure, 10-year treasury yield is skyrocketing. It's at very high levels. And so it's like a big question now. Is, is the market really sustainable or are we going to see uh, like much more corrections in the stock market? If we see that, Bitcoin has no choice. It has to go lower again uh, because all markets go down. But I still kind of believe they want us to live with inflation because they're not really like aggressively – uh, fighting inflation. So this is why it makes me like want to believe it's like a sideways action before they continue quantitative easing again. So they're probably going to buy, uh, sorry, print money again. So they want us to live with inflation. Uh, get ready, guys. But if the Fed all of a sudden is doing the, the right, uh, the right things, is doing the real job, 
Then, of course, with a higher rate, high strong, you know, inflation um, reduction plans, et cetera. Yes, of course. Then, you know, the markets could really tank for a short period of time. And then the markets can really see a nice um, bull market again. But for now, guys, it's like a big question mark. But I, I still would say blockchain backers uh, analysis is still, you know, up and running. Uh, really depends on the Fed's uh, next move in the next upcoming months. Very interesting, Selman. And we got 162 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for joining us this morning. Mario, I'm going to you for this next live update because this is pretty interesting. I wish Johnny Crypto was here to talk about this. Robinhood has just listed Cardano on their site. What does that mean to you, Mario? And are you expecting any bullish momentum from this news? Um, I mean, in a bull market, definitely we would have seen a, a lot of bullish momentum. In the bear market, it's just it's really hard for any news to really create any kind of bullish effect on on a, on a project or as far as price action. And we've seen that time and time again over the last couple of months. There's been a lot of good news around a lot of projects. And you just simply don't see that explosion because the hype is, you know, the hype around the, the, the markets is just simply not there or the retail hype around the market is just simply not there. But this is good news. I remember a few months ago, everybody was fearful of Cardano because of Cardano. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty of whether it was going to be sued as well by the SEC. And look at it now. I mean, Robinhood, I believe the, the, the projects that they're listing on their platform, I believe they're doing their due diligence and making sure that these projects are not under the radar from any regulatory organization. So if they added Cardano, that's a pretty good sign as far as that's concerned. So that's the way that I'm interpreting. But Cardano long-term is a no-brainer. Everybody should have Cardano in their portfolio, in my opinion. I love Cardano. And BitBoy brought up something really interesting is that Cardano may be ISO compliant. So you could actually see it being used as a banking token in the future. But we're going to dive into our first story for today. As Michael Saylor is being sued by the District of Columbia for tax fraud and possible tax evasion, the Attorney General's office is also suing the business software company MicroStrategies for allegedly helping him evade taxes on his earnings in the district. So not good news for Michael Saylor here, but let's dive into the details because there were some misconceptions around the fact that he was using Bitcoin to avoid taxes. That is not what this article is about. So the District of Columbia is suing MicroStrategy's founder and executive chairman, Michael Saylor, for allegedly never paying any income taxes in the district for more than 10 years that he lived there. They're suing MicroStrategies for, comp for conspiring to help him evade the taxes that he allegedly owed. And he allegedly owes hundreds of millions of dollars because he made billions of dollars in the district over that decade. Saylor lived in a penthouse in Washington while masquerading as a resident in Florida and Virginia by purchasing property and registering to vote in these states. However, he still lived in Washington, D.C. for at least 183 days per year, which is the minimum to be considered a statutory resident. Essentially, he was filing his taxes in Florida when he was living in Washington, D.C. Not good news for Michael Saylor, but Mario, I want to kick it back to you. What are some of your thoughts on this? And do you think this is going to have any implications on how people view Bitcoin? No, I'm, not whatsoever. I mean, this is according to the article, and, and I haven't looked at anything else besides what you just read. It, it sounds like it's just a technicality. Um, you know, he was trying to, whether he knew about it or not, whether he was being advised by his advisors. I mean, remember, this guy's got uh, lawyers and advisors, you know, tax advisors, financial advisors on his on his payroll. So these are things that uh, his advisors were telling him to do. And, you know, if, if the District of Columbia found a technicality and is able to sue them, this means nothing for the crypto market. So not correlated, in my opinion, or Stop Bitcoin. Me. 
Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Mario. Sorry about that. No, I was just saying Bitcoin, not crypto market. I meant Bitcoin. Like yes. it means nothing for Bitcoin. My opinion. yeah, and there were a lot of misconceptions going around on Twitter. People were saying that he was using Bitcoin to avoid taxes and all these other misconceptions. No, he was filing his taxes in the wrong state, and he was using MicroStrategies, the company, as a way of not paying taxes. But Jackie, what does this article mean to you? Before we dive into some more meaningful news, that was kind of what I was going to touch on. Um, just headlines are just so misleading. Um, just how we use you know, clickbait on YouTube headlines love to just, you know, post the most, obviously it's attention catching. Right. And so anybody who just looks at the headline is just going to think like, Oh my gosh, you know, that Mike, Michael Saylor is just so tied to the Bitcoin name right now. Anybody who just looks at that headline is going to see, Oh, see, you know, that's, that's why crypto is, is, um, you know, you shouldn't touch it. You know, the mainstream investor or the mainstream person who doesn't really know much about um, the article in itself and also just very little about crypto is, I think, just one off going to think that. Um, so just like you said, Ab, so I, I don't know. It, you definitely have to read uh, more into the article to figure out that it is just a technicality like Mario was saying. Um, yeah, I don't think it's anything further than that. And I, I think that people... I don't know. As time continues on, it'll the narrative will switch back into crypto's a good thing, you know. It's only a matter of time, Jackie, and it's only a matter of time before the Federal Reserve turns the printing press back on. But we're about to dive into some XRP news for today. We got 162 live listeners still joining us on this morning. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Gonzo, shout out to you, my friend. I do see you in the live chat, but we're going to dive into the first story. Actually, the second story for today, as the new U.S. Federal Reserve instant payment system, FedNow, will not be using XRP. And we're going to show you exactly why this is the case. So the U.S. Federal Reserve's upcoming FedNow is not going to use XRP as a bridge currency. The FedNow will not use XRP within their Fed system because of the latest initiative to launch the payments in 2023. It has nothing to do with cross-border transactions that involve two separate currencies. Our good friend Crypto Erie took to Twitter to talk about the misconceptions going on today, as this 2023 FedNow launch has nothing to do with cross-border payment flows, so inherently it has nothing to do with XRP. In order to believe that XRP is used for the FedNow system, you have to have a fundamental misunderstanding of how XRP functions as a bridge currency and liquidity tool. That has nothing to do with the idea of XRP being used within the United States FedNow payment system for domestic launch only. Selman, you brought up these misconceptions the day we had this article up, so I want to kick it to you. How do you feel about the FedNow news? Obviously, this doesn't change the overall narrative within XRP and the project itself, but it is interesting to see that cross-border flows are not a concern at the moment. I mean, um, you know, we always talked about how digital money is going to come for the last two years. And you see now they, they start with the domestic um, payment system, FedNow, which is, you know, it's it's an innovation. Yes. But for some people, it's scary. But you see that this is the first step before we see that mass adoption, where I truly believe Ripple is going to play an important role. Uh, now, this the now, even if this tells us that XRP is not involved in this, this doesn't exclude Ripple from future bigger projects. FedNow is only for domestic payments, um, but imagine the cross-border payment solution is going to be very important as you know the world is coming closer and closer. So Ripple is going to play a big role. This is why I'm still super bullish on this on this news, and it, it also it also. Um, you know, incentivize you 
to do more research just because all, all of the influences we're, we're talking about fed now now how ripple is involved in it now wow this is we're going to the moon you see influences they just copy from someone else they put it there on their uh, feet as well that's it guys please do your own research uh, the only reason we're doing this here on good morning crypto is to give you the latest hottest topics but then at the end you need to do your own research we want to show you the good and bad stuff in the crypto space so that you can make the best decisions. Jackie and Mario, I'm coming to you on this, but I want to read this latest information because I think it's so telling about where our entire global system is going. While the Fed now uses the ISO protocol standard like RippleNet, it's not based on the XRPL blockchain. Instead, FedNow will work with third-party companies and banks. What you're going to see here is the FedNow partner with third-party companies like Ripple and incorporate the blockchain through that direction as being the intermediary between CBDCs that's how you're going to get massive liquidity into XRP. I'm going to kick it to Mario and then we'll go to Jackie. Mario, what does this article mean to you? Yeah, I, I think that's something. So like at this point, all we can do is speculate. Uh, you know, nothing nothing official has been has been released as far as whether RippleNet is being utilized for, for the FedNow technology or not. We know that it's it's ISO 20022 compliant, which is which is the protocol that that's that's uh that's going to revolutionize the speed of payments. So one account that I've been that I've been following on Twitter that puts a lot of contrarian opinions as far as XRP primarily, um, which is Baba Baba Cogs. You know, he he put out a tweet a couple of days ago where he outlined like, okay, Fed now. There's nothing that indicates that it's Ripple XRP or Ripple or XRP. But why do you think Volante was selected for Fed now? And I'm quoting the tweet: Why is Michael Barr at the Fed? Why is Rosie Rios on the board? Who did the overnight rates, O'Connor? Why is Ripple at BlackRock? Why did Volante select, select XRPL? Your future was determined years ago. So basically, I mean, this guy is an XRP maxi. He, he, he believes XRP is going to be utilized for anything CBDCs, anything, you know, uh, central banks and, and uh, cross-border payments. But these are clues. Like, these are things that we can speculate on. These are things that we could be like, okay, yes, why, why did Michael Barr get appointed that position? Why is Rosie Rios at the board? These are very heavy and very uh, blatant clues. So I just wanted to outline that. I mean, as far as my opinion, I really don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't know, but it would be nice. I'm bi it's a biased opinion because I own a lot of XRP. So I, I hope that's true for the sake of price action for XRP. But does it really mean that XRP is going to explode in price? Does it mean that XRP is going to be utilized for this specific use case? Well, time will tell. Time will tell. And we can actually draw a couple of connections here. I want to go back to Selman and Jackie, but before I want to read this one quote, it says the main link between Ripple and FedNow system remains that in February, Ripple client Volante Technologies, a cloud-based payment company was added to the FedNow payments pilot program. So what that's saying is that there's a third party connection here between the FedNow system and RippleNet. Jackie, I'd love to hear what that means to you. Yeah, I think um, just like Selman was saying, I think later on, uh, down the road, we'll see more implementation of Ripple um, of XRP into this into this technology. Um, but as as I'm pretty sure we showed that last episode, I'm pretty sure someone actually brought that up um, with Volante Technologies that they they being a client of Ripple um, that that was being utilized more now um, and in the future there will be more to come from XRP. Sorry, I was kind of trying to read the article, but. No, that's okay. Salman, <laughs> why don't you take us home here? Yeah, so um, guys, I agree with Mario. Um, it's you know we it's very important that you know 
if you have this kind of news update, what do you want to do actually? Do you want to go out and and um, immediately you know buy XRP? You already probably, I'm assuming everybody has XRP in their bags, right? Because we already believe, we speculate, we love the fundamentals, that's it. So this is why I wouldn't go and rush into things like, oh God, is it is FET now now using XRP or not? Just give it some time. We're going to have more clarity in the upcoming weeks. We will learn more about it. It was just released, right? So take it easy. Uh, if you still believe in XRP, you would still buy XRP, uh, depending on, you know, uh, when you buy, you buy every week or when, just like Mario said, when people are panicking. But, you know, these kind of news updates should just uh, motivate you in general to, um, you know, um, focus on your own plan. And maybe you did a great plan. You love XRP and that's, that should just motivate buying more maybe. But like, don't, do not rush into it just because that happened that, you know, XRP is going to go to the moon. We're talking about markets and markets have cycles. So it, take it easy. Uh, we know the fundamentals of XRP. So uh, at the end of the day, we're all going to make it. And I love this comment from Mentelect here. He said, cross-border payments isn't XRP's value proposition. The tokenization of assets is what's going to be key for this blockchain. Selman, I want to dive into you some of your comments on this next article as we have a big development for the XRP blockchain. XLS 20 voting is now at 85%, meaning that if we can sustain these levels until September 13th, NFTs are going to be launched on the XRPL. As a founder of a project on the XRPL, what does that mean to you, Selman? Man, we've been uh, a little quiet um, uh, the last couple of days on Twitter. Basically, this is a big update. So currently more than 80% voted yes. And um, it looks like September 13th, we're going to have XLS20 officially, the XLS20 standard officially uh, going live on XRPL, meaning projects can finally mint their, uh, mint their NFTs. But it's probably going to be a mess. Now, if all of them will be rushing and you know the ledger will be uh, kind of like um yeah used by everyone at the same time it's going to be like high traffic um but really curious how xrp is, uh, xrpl is going to handle it i don't see like a big issue with that but like that's pretty much what everybody's talking on twitter right now but like um you see everybody's excited and i kind of believe that's going to bring in a little bit of you know uh, bullishness to the markets especially for xrpl projects but then maybe if the markets are still tanking, that you know things will normalize again we're in a bear market again. But then after the lawsuit case, I believe people will really understand the value of XRPL um, and Ripple. And so um, yeah, I'm anticipating some great, great um, development on. Thank you, Selman. Ripple XRPL. And we got a really good comment here. Is 500,000 XRP enough? No, that is not enough, my friend. And we're going to keep diving into some XRP content for today. Of course, I'm kidding. That's more than enough. But we have a tweet here and an update from the XRP lawsuit. As during Ripple's legal counsel, Matthew Solomon's presentation, Judge Netbird asked if having a utility distinguished XRP from the other two crypto assets, Ethereum and Bitcoin. It might not be relevant to the issue, but it's important to my understanding. My understanding of XRP is that not only does it have a currency value, but it also has a utility and that utility distinguishes it, I think, from Bitcoin and Ethereum. Is that correct? That's the question she's asked. And, the, and like uh, Mark Yusko said, it's not the answer. It's the question. Very important questions asked here. Mario, what does that mean to you, my friend? Yeah, definitely. I, look, this is another thing that's lingering around that I've, 
the XRP, the the NFTs on the XRPL, it's going to happen. It's just it was just a speculation of when it's going to to happen. It's definitely going to happen. You know, the voting is already above eighty something, eighty five percent. So it's definitely going to happen. And then this is another thing, like the lawsuit. It's definitely going to going to come to to a conclusion. And in my opinion, and like I keep saying, it's either going to be uh, a win for Ripple or it's going to be a settlement. Either way, it's a win for Ripple and it's a win for XRP and it's a win for for the fact that XRP has utility. And for that reason, it cannot be it cannot be determined uh, a security in its current form. And again, we've spoken about this and Johnny Crypto. We just put out uh, a short. If you guys uh, if you guys don't know yet, we're, we're putting out shorts on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter of, of our show. So there was a recent short where Johnny Crypto says maybe back in 2013 or in the beginning of XRP, it was a, it was a security, but in its current form, it is not. And so for that reason, I believe that there will be some kind of settlement. Ripple will have to pay some, some uh, you know, pocket change for them <laughs> in order to settle this. But but things will come things will come in the way that they're supposed to, which is, in my opinion, is just XRP is a currency. It has tons of utility. Just saw a picture this morning on Twitter. Um, I forget the country now, but an airport in some country where you could actually pay with XRP. So tons of utility, in my opinion. So I also want to add this. Uh, up until now, the major topic, and even now, a lot of people just believe XRP is only about cross-border payments. It's a currency. But uh, Mentelex um, brought up a very important point, tokenizing assets. If you see Ethereum right now, AVAX, Cardano, all of them, what they're doing is they have smart contracts and they have you know all these different kind of utilities, NFT integrations, all of that, right? And Ethereum is a king uh, right now of smart contracts. So it has a huge market share. But... People will, especially after the lawsuit case, I believe, people will see the value of Ripple and XRPL because it's a carbon-friendly, cost-efficient blockchain, fast and secure, like, you know, Hedera, Hashgraph, and many other uh, proof of stakes. But, like, XRPL has a very different approach. I love that. But what I really enjoy is tokenizing assets will be a huge part. You're going to see how the whole crypto space plus new people in the next bull run will... Um, Focus on XRPL, will invest in XRPL, right? And XRP to use it as a currency to buy NFTs or assets, whatever it is, to interact with smart contracts. So you see, um, this is going to be extra money that will flow into Ripple XRP. And um, this is, you know, another way of uh, pumping your backs, basically. So get ready, guys. The utility is coming. And, you know, we, we don't want to become the pioneers. Pioneering doesn't pay. You want innovation, you want good, solid infrastructure, and they took their time. It's a very conservative blockchain, by the way, and it is actually great that it is conservative. It doesn't do any updates immediately. It takes time. This is why I love XRPL, and uh, I'm, I'm leaning back. I'm enjoying the show. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to comment on um, when we were talking about the XLS20D update. Um that's something to really pay attention to. And when we are on our calls, uh, Selman, Gonzo, and I typically within the 3T Academy, that's something that we've been saying for quite a long time. We saw a hype. I mean, speaking of utility um, blockchains and utility, we saw quite a hype um, when you know NFTs came to Cardano. We saw a hype when NFTs came to Solana. That's something definitely to watch out for, especially if you are in NFTs on um XRPL, that is, you know, that, and 
you know, even with that news update, we actually saw a couple jump in prices on projects uh, that we've been following. So even just this morning. So that's something to pay attention to uh, for listeners, even people within the academy. That's something that we always point out to them when it comes to price appreciation. Uh, that that hype has not hit XRPL yet. And when it does, I think it'll be pretty big because even even considering projects, I I, had, I don't know exactly, uh, so don't quote me on this, but I'll look further into it. Considering projects that are coming out on those other blockchains, Cardano, Solana, things like that, I feel like there's way, way less um, on XRPL, which means that there will be a larger influx into the current projects that are there now. Very cool, Jackie. That's very important to know. And even though we're in a bear market, all these developments, I'm not anticipating massive bullish momentum for XRP off this news. Even if XRP is, even if NFTs are added to the XRPL, because we're in a bear market, all of these projects are hyper suppressed. When you talk about XRP, that's one that's more suppressed than the rest of them. Yes, Gonzo, you did miss you miss me saying I loved you earlier in the podcast. But we're about to dive into some Cardano news for the show today as Cardano founder Charles Hoskinson reveals the Vasil Fork date for the upgrade. So the Vasil Fork should go live in the coming weeks, noting that it should come on in early September. He noted that things are moving swiftly as both developers and the community itself are conducting tests. There's no longer any major bugs on the Vasil Fork network, but there are some existing small bugs. The small stake owner pools are running at least one of these updated nodes account for about 55% of the, the main net blockchain production. Once this reaches 75%, the Vasil Fork will go live and Cardano will officially upgrade its network. This is going to be big news for not only Cardano, but for the entire crypto community. Mario, why don't you break down some of your thoughts? Yeah, this is exactly why I said earlier in the episode that I'm excited. Like keywords in that article, test, beta, like all this stuff is being developed. All this stuff is being tested. All this stuff is still being uh, built out. So that's why I say I'm excited because we're still so early. Like everybody keeps showcasing how, you know, Bitcoin's done all this thousands of percent gain. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've missed it. There's no way I'm going to become a millionaire out of putting a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars into, into a project and turn into millionaire. But look, we're still so early. And Cardano is a great example. We're still super early with Cardano. Cardano has already done thousands of percent. I'm not saying that that's going to turn into a millionaire, but hey, it's a great investment. And and a, a lot of other projects out there too. I mean, it, it's still such an early stage in, in blockchain technology. And chances are in three, four years, we're going to look back and we're going to say, whoa, I didn't expect this to happen or I didn't expect that project to do this or, or the other project to do that. So it, it's just about being diversified, not over diversified, of course, but being diversified into a few projects. Cardano, like I said before, Definitely one you should have on your on your portfolio. Can it turn you into a millionaire? Only time will tell, but it, it's a pretty good contender. Selman, I'd love to hear from you next because when I look at the Cardano network, they have the most developers on their blockchain. And when you look at the blockchain, or sorry, the cryptocurrency industry as a whole, there's a lack of developers in our industry, especially when you think about the XRPL. So the fact that Cardano has so many blockchain developers working on their platform, what does that mean to you, Selman? Um, Cardano has a great community. And I mean, obviously XRP too. But um, it's re really interesting to see that Cardano um, has seen such a hype since 2018 and they're killing it with marketing also. So I believe marketing also plays an important role. You hear Cardano everywhere. They're investing a lot of money in uh, marketing too. So Ripple, of course, you know, um, at some point, especially I really believe after regulation, uh, there is going to be more clarity. And I believe they were going to spend also a lot of money in marketing as well. So uh, people, especially new developers, need to see 
that um, XRPL is also offering the same and if not better solutions. Um, so that's one thing. And I also wanted to add guys based on news analysis, um, a fork update is a big update. So in a bull market, usually what we, what we would ex or experience or witness um, would be uh, that Cardano does an easy 2x or 3x. Fork, up, fork updates are important. In a bear market now, maybe it's only going to do 20, 30%, but it really depends on Bitcoin, of course. If Bitcoin goes sideways and we see that bullish momentum, even if it's just short term, a fork update for Cardano, Cardano could really uh, bring us um, or, or you know, um, bring us to higher highs. Um, but, you know, you could see a 20, 30 percent increase. I want to ask I want to ask you guys, who do you think has a bigger uh, community, Cardano or XRP? Oh, I would honestly say Cardano. They did a global brands. They they rated global brands and I think it came in 26 and it was the number one cryptocurrency brand on the planet. So I'm going to guess Cardano. That was a good guess. Yeah. I would have said XRP. I think that when it comes to like um, hype around a project, I would say XRP is probably the winner. But Abs does bring a good point. Yeah, Cardano was number one when it comes to a brand. So, but I mean, I don't want to lie. I think there are around two hundred twenty-ish thousand uh, XRP holders. Uh, so, but in comparison, I don't know the number of Cardano, but I know. Just from my experience, my personal market sentiment analysis, people see Ripple as a banker's coin. Cardano is like Ethereum, like AVAX, right? Like Binance Smart Chain. And people really buy into, um, into Cardano. So I believe people, even if they're not like huge fans like we are with you know Ripple, um, they still support Cardano more than they support Ripple. So that's the thing that we need to work on, raising awareness, teaching people that that's a that's prejudice. This is totally wrong. Uh, that Ripple is not a banker's coin. Not, you know, XRPL is totally decentralized. Uh, and this is marketing efforts that Cardano is doing really well. But, you know, uh, Ripple has to work on it. They didn't pay attention to it, I would say. I'm just speculating. But in the future, why not? It's, it's you know, we don't want to time the market. Ripple is the market. That that's the mentality. I want to just like pay attention to that. Those who that are listening, um, just that's something to keep into perspective. I I feel like Cardano. Obviously, if we look back, you know, a year, two years, um, well, probably a year uh, after following the SEC case, you know, Cardano definitely had the biggest community compared to XRP, right? But now that we're starting to sift through all the crap and now that we're starting to understand that this SEC case is, you know, just all theater, um, hype, that was kind of the key word that Salman mentioned. I think that are there, I mean, we're already starting to see that, you know, a lot of flip-floppers kind of shift over. So I think that's going to be huge, something to watch out for, for sure. Thank you, Jackie. And we're about to dive into our largest story for today as they may not be working. XRP may not be working with Fed now, but they are working with the digital dollar project to create a central bank digital currency solution. We've got 180 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And let's get into this story because this this could be one for the history books. The digital dollar project plans to explore a CBDC technical solution with their new sandbox. The nonprofit organization advocating for a U.S. central bank digital currency plans to work with crypto platforms like Digital Asset and Ripple to explore the technical and policy aspects 
of the digital dollar. So the digital dollar project is a nonprofit organization advocating for central bank digital currencies. It's starting a technical sandbox to explore the technical business and policy solutions before they launch their digital dollar. So this program will kick off in October and plans to bring the public and private sectors together to evaluate a CBDC infrastructure solution. The initial participants of the sandbox include California-based crypto firm Ripple, Digital Asset, MTech, and Knox Networks. Out of 105 countries worldwide currently exploring a CBDC, 50 are serious about the solution and development, and many of them are getting close to their launch phases. This week, we had Chairman Jerome Powell say that the U.S. really needs to explore a central bank digital currency, and the Office of Financial Research and arm of the U.S. Treasury Department said that the digital dollar could help stabilize our financial system. Not only is the Federal Reserve incentivized to launch a central bank digital currency, all hands are on deck here. We are very close to the initial launch date. Mario, I'd love to know what that means to you, my friend. Well, the control, that's what that means to me. And of course, they need to explore it. And of course, it's going to happen. This is another thing that's definitely going to happen. But this does not excite me because I know what this means. And I can see what 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 uh, what's going to, going to come out, out of this as far as control is concerned. There's so much hype around CBDCs. Uh, People are kind of looking at CBDCs, CBDCs like this positive thing that needs to happen so that crypto can, I guess, be uh, massively adopted. But I, I don't think people should be correlating the two. I think people should be realizing that CBDCs are a sense of control. We discussed this yesterday with BitBoy. You know, it brings control, more control over to the government. Um, crypto, in its essence, the movement is that it, it it should be decentralized. The movement is that it brings the power back to the small person. You know, you you have your own wallet, you have your own currency. You're able to exchange that without having a center of uh, of of exchange like a government. And so CBDCs, they totally bring that back. They totally bring that power back to the government. So definitely not excited about that. I totally agree with Mario. I want to add something else, guys. Reading this article for a moment, I was like, damn, like this is a great article, but like, guys, you need to understand um, every single day, apps is doing research and bringing it. I'm, I'm like, dude, how did you find this article? So he's doing a lot of work, guys. So please smash the like button. It is really not that easy to bring valuable content here. So I just wanted to appreciate this is a news update. I definitely need to dive in more because um, you don't hear people talk about this that often, right? In the crypto space, people don't pay attention to this, but this is so important. The shift is happening and I couldn't agree more with Mario. So I wanted to say thank you and smash that like button. That's awesome, Salman. Thank you for the shout out. I really appreciate that. But one of the things that we're noticing is every day there's a new development on the XRPL and we're going to continue bringing that to those developments on our show. I'm deciding between which article I want to show next. And I think the most important article is probably the Mt. Gox Bitcoin that is set to be released in September. So Mt. Gox Bitcoins will be released on the Ethereum merge date. Is that a coincidence? There's about $3 billion worth of Bitcoin currently being held by an exchange, Mt. Gox. The Bitcoin's release date is set for September 15th, which somewhere around the, the initial Ethereum merge date is set to go live. This is going to be very interesting. All of this Bitcoin is not going to be released into the market at once, but it is going to create some volatility. Many of these investors initially bought Bitcoin below $1,200, and now they're, being, now they're receiving their deposits when Bitcoin is about 20 grand. They've done a 20x. I would expect many of them to take profits, but I do want to hear from our group. Do you guys believe this is going to create some volatility? I know they are creating a release schedule, so that could be interesting as well. Let's start off with Selman. 
Oh, sorry, didn't hear my name. Um, just wanted to say this. It's always buy the rumors, sell the news. Everybody, everybody was talking about Mount Gox, end of this month, end of this month. And now we, we have a little bit more clarity. They said that they will start mid-September, but they don't know how long it will last. And they're not going to dump all at once. It's a big process. It's a, a lot of paperwork probably, I assume. So it's going to take a lot of time, even if people are selling. And I don't believe people are going to sell. These are people that um, got scammed years ago. And so these people uh, will be like, you know, they understand market cycles now. They are not new to this game. Um, and probably they're just going to huddle because their purchasing price was maybe, you know, um, still okay. So um, I don't believe there's going to be selling pressure that the, the rumors... I believe is uh, already priced, but um, we'll see. We, we could see a little bit more volatility around that news update once that hits. But after that, people should easily forget about it. Trust me, in a couple of weeks after that launch, people will forget about Mount Gox. That's a really That's good point. Go ahead, Jackie. Well, I just wanted to add to what Salman was saying. I know we talked about this a little bit, if it was going to cause a lot of volatility or not um, previously. And I didn't realize that they had a schedule that they were implementing over a period of time um, to let people, you know, as they release this, um, which is good. I don't think it'll cause much volatility, just like Salman said. And also, you know, these people have seen the top for Bitcoin, I'm sure. I'm you know, it's $69,000. I'm sure that they're following it at least a little bit if they had purchased back then. Um, so I believe, yeah, I, I agree with some and they have a great buy-in point. Um, why would you sell if, you know, going back down, you know, you would only increase your initial or yeah, your initial investment point at that, you know, at that stage, even if we do go down lower. Um, so, I mean, as far as huge, huge volatility, I don't, I don't really believe that we'll see a ton. Yeah, and I, I, if I could just add, like, what what does that mean for for the investor? Like, we're 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 here debating on whether that could affect the market or not. I mean, it totally could if if it's dumped into the market. Absolutely, just the news alone can affect the price action. So, with you as an investor, you you shouldn't really worry about it unless unless you're you're overly um, concerned about the short term price action. You know, if you are concerned over the short-term price action, then make a plan just and and just act on it. Like you could be right, you could be wrong, but over the long term, I mean, it, it's just it's just volatility, and we're gonna get volatility for throughout the bear market. We're gonna get volatility in in the bull market. Again, it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, where the conversation of the moment is where's the bottom? You know, is Mount Gox as uh, as we were discussing earlier with uh, with Gonzo? You know, is Mount Gox going to be that defined moment in in this particular history point that defines oh Mt. Gox uh, when when it was released into into the market that's what that would define the bottom of, of the market the same way that we've defined the top of the market was when Elon Musk went on Saturday Night Live and Coinbase Coinbase IPO we just have we have a tendency to correlate um, things that happen with with the tops and bottoms of the market so but like if you're long term I mean there's not much you can do because it's a gamble. It could affect the market negatively. It could not. It might not even do anything. So like Selman said, it could be a buy the rumor, sell the news kind of event too. 
Thank you, Mario. And I want to remind our listeners that when we had Mark Yusko on the show just a couple of weeks ago, he said crypto winter is behind us. We're about to show you a video from Raul Paul stating very similar sentiment. We get 166 live listeners. Sorry, 176 live listeners. Smash that like button. Get us to 111 likes so Gonzo can be satisfied this morning. We're going to let this short clip play talking about how crypto winter may be behind us. Then we'll get some comments from the group. Here we go. The next couple of months, I'm expecting it to be signaling a full recession. And we'll get to the tipping point where bond yields start to fall, it'll start affecting asset markets. So I'm not a believer we go to new lows. I've done surveys after survey and seen all the surveys on Twitter. 70% of all respondents in crypto and macro think equities go to new lows. Now, if that is the case, then most people are positioned for it. So therefore, the path of pain is the opposite. And I love this quote here. I want to stop that video at 30 seconds because when I have conversations with my friends who are a couple, I have friends who are a few years younger than me. They're college kids. And what they're waiting for is they're sitting here and they're saying, we know Bitcoin's going to 12,000. I'm stacking cash until we get to 12,000, right? And that's exactly how retail misses out on the bottom. We always talk about dollar cost averaging on our channel because even these billionaires aren't smart enough to predict the market tops and the market bottoms. But one of the things we can do is figure out which assets have real utility. And Ethereum is one of them. Mario, I would love to start with you. What do you think about Raul Paul stating that because everyone's predicting the market's going to go lower, he thinks we've bottomed? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Usually we've, we see it time and time again. Usually the opposite happens. We were having this conversation too where you know, everybody's expecting the 14,000. Everybody's expecting the prices to go lower. And so that's when usually the opposite happens. We don't see the prices go lower. But again, if you know, you have to create a strategy for yourself, right? So your strategy is just as good until it gets validate, invalidated, right? Because you could have a strategy of, of uh, 17K, 17.5K is going to be the bottom. And so you're buying until you're 17.5 you know, and, and then it drops below 17.5. It was invalidated. Now you could have a strategy of buying until it's 15,000. And so we don't go below 15,000. Then your strategy was great. It, it's, it's a gamble. And it, it's just, but I do agree with what he said though. The sentiment does does tend to the opposite does tend to happen when it comes to the sentiment. Jackie, I'd love to go to you next. How do you feel about Ethereum in particular? Let's forget about the crypto winter being behind us. We got the Ethereum merge coming up in September. It's a classic. We predicted that this could be a classic buy the rumor, sell the news situation. A couple of weeks ago, Jim Cramer went on to CNBC and he told people buy Ethereum at 1900 within 72 hours. The market plummeted. What do you think about the market bottom, Jackie? And how do you feel about Ethereum overall? Gosh, I I really think I'm really interested in Ethereum right now because I think it is um, we're seeing something different that we haven't seen in markets before. Uh, a lot of influ- a lot of influencers have talked about this. I know Ben's um, talked about this quite a bit. I don't know if he talked touched on it a lot yesterday, but as far as market dominance, um, typically at this point in time, um, Bitcoin's dominance over the market is is higher than what we're seeing. Um, but a lot of that market dominance has been taken up by Ethereum. And we are seeing that, especially with the merge um, news coming up, things like that. But I don't expect that to drop. I really do think that Ethereum is going to contain or going to continue to eat up that market dominance. Um, and that, that poses really well, actually, for the rest of the market, because I don't think we'll see... Um, Yeah, I honestly, I think, you know, even if we do drop lower for Bitcoin, I really don't think the rest of the market is going to take a huge, huge toll like, like, um, 
like a lot of people are believing. And that's just because that dominance has spread so much across the board, um, which, yeah, is atypical of what we've seen in the past. So there was actually something that um, Mentelect had said in the chat that I really agree with. Um, let's see. This is what he said. Raul gives credence to the four-year Bitcoin market cycle receding as a utility market begins. You know, eventually, I think we were all in agreement I'm not saying the four-year cycle will end because um, we have yet to see that, but I think we're all in agreement that there is a utility market that needs to start eventually at some point. You know, obviously all of this stuff is going to get to a point where technology does come into play and, and you know, it's it's grown from an infantile stage and, and burst from that from there and technology is at play at that point. And that's when we start to see decoupling of, of charts. Not everything's going to follow Bitcoin at that point. And so obviously that's going to be a very, very, very slow process. But I believe that that we're starting to see that now. I mean, just looking at dominance numbers and things like that. Selman, I'd love to get some of your closing remarks here. What do you think about crypto winter potentially being behind us? Is it going to take a black swan event or something of that nature to push us down to that 12 to 10K level? And then at that point, I bet you retail wouldn't even be looking to buy. Yeah, so um, first things first, guys. Um, I truly believe that, you know, the if the majority of people think it's going to go bullish, then market makers do the opposite. You can also check out the futures data, for example. Unfortunately, I heard someone killed himself, um, committed suicide because he lost money. And people are leveraging and, and you know, going uh, because people become greedy. And when people become greedy, and here's a funny story. I think it was Mr. Wonderful or someone else. Sorry, it was someone else saying that people don't actually lose money when markets go down. They lose money when they're getting lucky. And they, they, because after getting lucky, they become greedy and at the top, they're losing. This is interesting, but it's a, um, it's a fact. So you can check on futures data. If people are longing Bitcoin, if there's too many longs open, that means, okay, it's overheated. Uh, market makers need to make money in a bear market. The best way to do that is by liquidating people, by dumping Bitcoins. And uh, through that, through liquidations, they make a ton of money. And there is another Twitter article that uh, Mario shared, and that's also an indicator that things aren't going the way we want it to go, right? So uh, maybe you want to bring it up, but it's really interesting. It shows that even the ex even exchanges, like you know, you and I were retail investors, right? Compared to these big guys, and if crypto exchange Crypto.com is pulling out of its four hundred ninety-five million dollar uh, UEFA. Champions League sponsorship deal. Guys, this means that uh, they miscalculated. The bear market is really uh, sucking a lot of, you know, uh, money. And it's just, um, it's not a profitable business. And that could continue. Big companies are also uh, firing people, unfortunately, and uh, getting ready for, for winter. And winter is going to get cold. Energy prices will rise. A lot of things happening. The narrative's already there. So this is why, you know, for the next couple of months, at least, we're going to see, we could see more volatility. And then may maybe next next year, things will normalize again. And then you'll see these, um, these potential partnerships again coming. Thank you, Selman. And I'm going to bring us one last XRP update for today. But before I do that, 170 people out there listening to this show, smash that like button on this beautiful Thursday morning. We're going to continue bringing you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics. And that's what our next story is for today as Ripple 
becomes a strategic partner of Brax Japan to offer design services using the XRP ledger for Web3 startups in the latest Asian market push. When we look at the Asian markets today, they are clearly adopting cryptocurrencies at a much faster pace. And when you look at Japan specifically, they've been a huge advocate of what XRP is doing on the XRPL. So Ripple will offer design services using the XRP ledger for Web3 startups in Japan. This new partnership disclosed that Ripple is now a strategic partner of the Web3 Design Lab, which plans to improve the visibility and reach of Japanese Web3 businesses in the global markets, connecting it to who? Silicon Valley. Essentially an endless money press. Selman G, actually, let's start with Jackie. Jackie, how do you feel about Ripple's continued expansion into Japan? We see that Asian markets are much more accepting of blockchain technology. So what does this mean to you? Yeah, I always find that really interesting. Um, we see so much news come out about Japan, about the Philippines. I particularly love that. Um, it's, it's really good to see. Um, I think they're starting... I think they're strategically doing that well, um, if you really think about it, because Asia is much more, um, they're much more crypto friendly. You know, they're already utilizing a lot of technology. So why not, you know, have a majority of your clientele over in that area? Um, I think they're doing it right. I think that's that's the way to go. I agree with you, Jackie. And we're seeing so much development on the XRPL. Everybody's asking us, why are we covering so many Ripple stories? Because there's so much happening within this project, regardless of the XRP lawsuit. Selman, we only got a couple of minutes here. Actually, I'm going to come to you last. We're going to kick it to Mario next. Mario, what does this article mean to you? Yeah, it's just another one of those developments that shows that Ripple has not stopped since the since this lawsuit began. And you know, the worst thing that could happen is Ripple being pushed out of the United States and you know, taking their business elsewhere, which they continue to do, but, you know, taking their head headquarters elsewhere, but it, it's positive for Ripple. A lot of stuff, most, I mean, besides the lawsuit, everything has been positive for Ripple. Everything's been positive for the XRP. We're, as we've discussed earlier in the show, we, we've got um, NFTs coming to the XRPL. So everything is bullish as far as Ripple and XRP and XRP missed out the bull run. A lot of, a lot of people ask, can, can XRP go in its own kind of bull run? you know, during this bear market because of all the excitement and, and lawsuit ending and all that stuff. It's it's exciting times for XRP for sure. Yes, and there's a couple of quotes I want to read before I kick it to Selman here. It said, Ripple will spread the use of the XRP ledger in Japan and all across Asia. In addition, Ripple will serve as a design partner to several Japanese startups providing design services using the XRPL. More and more use cases, more and more projects coming to the XRPL, Selman. With just a minute left, what does this mean to you, my friend? Man, Japan is a godfather of, of Ripple. So cool to see all these partnerships. And guys, this is also our approach as Collecti, right? We know that Web3 is the next big thing. It's the new internet, right? So all these businesses uh, need to, in order to disrupt their industries, they need to adapt to this brand new technology, right? And evolving technology. And so this is a great partnership. They are um, targeting startups and want to help startups to get ready for web3 right so this is brand this is actually a bullish thing and this will help you know um this will help for mass adoption for sure all these startups you know they have the uh direct connection to customers and th this is another way for for them to you know, get in touch and you know uh, feel comfortable in this space and grow with us so that's pretty cool 
Very exciting. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Jackie. Thank you to Selman G. Thank you to Mario. 178 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button on the way out of here. And we will be live in 23 hours. It's like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us.